Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to 40 Going On 14, episode 225. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I recently had a near-death experience. And weird thing, over the next couple weeks, I kept seeing family members demanding to know why I ate all the potato salad. You'd think I'd have bigger sins than that, but it's a lot of potato salad. Why did you? Was it the mustard kind or was it the cream kind? Oh, it's got to be the... I will almost it's guarantee yellow. you if you if you end up in a flatliner situation, it's not going to be potato salad that comes after you. I think we should save this to the end. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's what the yeah. end, end conversation. What will come after you? Yeah. Well, what, what, who would come after you if you flatlined? Yeah. yeah. So think about that. Mm. Oh, yeah. So if you haven't figured it out, uh, we did flatliners for uh, this show this week. Watched the 1990 Kiefer Sutherland post lost boys hit ish and uh the 2017 movie that had the same name <laughs> spoilers spoilers no. yeah we're no, uh, potato salad oh so we're gonna fight yeah so that we were talking about life and death and sins and flatlines if you like those things you might like the shows and potato salad you might like the shows on the podcast collective including no hope for humanity dating baggage mint and box cast the empty rant podcast and of course the rad dad radio hour rad dad rad dad i'm your father has rad dad radio r is still on when was it when was the last show it was recently Episode 65. The first time you guys did that, it kind of sounded like guitars. Now it just sounds like cats fighting. <laughs> now it sounds like guitars again. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, feedbacky. All right. What kind of guitars are you playing? Cat guitars. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher Talk to Podverse FM, Google Podcasts, all sorts of podcast uh, areas. Um, Geek Life Radio, 12 noon on Saturdays, and Josh is going to be on episode 25 of Did You Do Your Homework? Top yeah, up. we're going to be talking about a formative media. Did You Do Your Homework is a podcast where educators are connecting uh, media to uh, like educational concepts and big ideas. I know there's a specific uh, tagline for it, which I had loaded up when we got this started. That is not the sound effects that they use for... Educators, 
<laughs> educators connecting popular media to academic ideas. That's that's what I was trying to say. And yeah, we're going to be talking about formative media or uh, media that's kind of played a big part in making you who you are. And uh, basically, one of the things about the show concept is each one of the hosts gets to assign a particular book, movie, uh, TV show, etc. to the other hosts and everyone does their research before coming together to talk about it. Oh, cool. So which, which show are you doing this week? It's It's going to be like here. It's going to be formative media. I know the homework for this week was princess Mononoke, uh, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, the book. And my assignment to the other hosts was reading rainbow. Oh, nice. Just watched uh, princess Mononoke last week. It's a great one. The, uh, uh, my girls are, totally down with every single one of those movies out of the um oh i just lost his name josh help me studio ghibli ghibli yeah yeah you guys will be able to episode 25 should be up sometime after january 31st and uh, you can find them at homeworkpodcast.com sounds good all right so uh if you are looking to comment about any of these things 708 now wrap 708-669-9727 do we have any voicemail we do not. We we had a voicemail bonanza last week. Ah, call us. We're lonely. It's easy. Just go to Facebook. Press the call button. And you will call Patrick no matter where he is. Sometimes he'll, he'll be pooping. I could probably set that up. Odds are. Odds are Patrick is pooping. I, I start He's, forwarding it to Patrick's cell phone. He's doing it right now. And I'm not even in the bathroom. That's how good I am at it. And it's about that time. <laughs> Oh, world champion long distance pooper. You ready? Long distance championship pooper? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a world champion long distance pooper. For me, it's more like shot putting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use like a trebuchet method. <laughs> All right, we are so about this timing yeah, right it's now. It's about the time. <laughs> this week in music, movies, and TV. All right, so this week, it's August 10th, 1990, the release of the original Flatliners. True. All right, <laughs> true. So for music, the top song in the land was Vision of Love by Mariah Carey, followed by Snap by The Power and Billy Idol's Cradle of Love. Snap. Do I not know that one? I've got the power. Oh. I've got the power. That, well, yeah, that was in, um, crap, Rob Fisher Williams. King. The Fisher King. Yeah, you're right. Cool. Mm-hmm. No, I know that one. Cool. And I think that was something that Jay used to listen to when he was coding. Yes, it was. <laughs> Often erroneously assigned to CNC Music Factory. True. I could Which see Jay that. Which Jay also listened to while coding. Yes, he did. <laughs> Along with Queensryche and Erasure, which was kind of weird. <laughs> Jay's music taste is very uh, varied and eclectic. <laughs> That's one word. <laughs> well, but two words, I guess, but... Anyway, on August fifth, Madonna. Really on August fifth, Madonna ended her Blonde Ambition tour in Nice, France. Nope. It's Nice. Nope. Right? Nope. Nice. Pronounced Nice. Oh. In October, France, a concert <laughs> which was aired live and broadcast on HBO. <laughs> you fucker! I just put rum up my nose. <laughs> <laughs> How else do you drink it? Oh God! Woo! And finally, at an outdoor concert in Flatbush, Brooklyn, on August 13th, stage lighting equipment collapsed on top of Curtis Mayfield, 
paralyzing him from the neck down. Son of a bitch. Despite this, Mayfield kept recording and releasing album. Thank goodness. Because Curtis Mayfield is a badass. Shut your mouth. He's Superfly. Dude. I had the uh, theme song to Superfly for my wake-up music on my alarm clock for a while. Nice. That that <laughs> was... Yeah, that had to stop. Wait, wait still confidence in your wake-up. <laughs> oh, no. I was I woke up. I was completely confident when I woke up. And the problem so was... Until the day you bitch-slapped Suzanne and she kicked your ass. That was the thing, is I'd get up and slap her on the ass and tell her to get out there and make me some money. And then they had to change it. <laughs> All right, moving on to the longest movies ever. <laughs> uh, the top movie in the land was Ghost, which was knocked off by tonight's film, Flatliners. Ooh. Other movies released this week included My Two Jakes, My Blue Heaven, Air America, and Taking Care of Business. Now, is that My Two Jakes or The Two Jakes? Oh, yeah, The Two Jakes. The Two Jakes. The Two Jakes. <laughs> so I was I like... Started, I started typing My Blue Heaven and I just said... <laughs> my... Okay, so- the two yes, Jakes. Yes, the, the two Jakes. Sorry. Yeah, it was a sequel to Chinatown. Yeah. yeah. It was a sequel. It was a sitcom starring uh, <laughs> the Alpha Fat. It man. was. It was the sequel to My Three Sons. <laughs> that's like that's like a average all around. <laughs> starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Jake Busey. Ooh, wow! I'd watch that. <laughs> I would too. You know, though, I have to say, My Blue, My Blue Heaven, Air America. Not so much taking care of business, but those two movies were pretty damn good, but underrated. Well, taking care of business uh, was James Belushi. Was the first, yeah, the first time the world realized what a mistake it was losing the wrong Belushi. Yes, My Blue Heaven yeah. was uh, um, Steve Martin and oh god, I just lost his name. Who's a little guy? Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Yeah, that was a good one. And Air America. The two Jakes was not as good as Chinatown, but it was pretty okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's this this whole lineup right here is. It's pretty okay. Yeah. Let it go, Josh. It's the sequel to Chinatown. <clears throat> yeah. Air America. Uh, um, God, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson, yeah. It was all, all right. right. Bill Istvan Gunther Skarsgård was born on August 9th in Vallingby, Sweden. He's right. best known for starring in Atomic Blonde and It as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. I'd argue he was also pretty well known for being in Hemlock Grove. Mm, well, that was on there, but I cut it for uh, brevity. He's the son of actor Stellan Skarsgård and his first wife, Me Skarsgård, and he has seven siblings, three of whom are also actors, Alexander, Gustav, and Walter. I am so glad Joel didn't get that. <laughs> right? I'm so glad you didn't either. Oh, Come we get the perfect guy for that paragraph. It was all good. We we all know that Joel has taken over my spot. <laughs> and Mike has a better chance of getting it if it's like vaguely Eastern European. That's true. He is good with it. Yeah. Yavol, I guess. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Dorothy Appleby appeared in over 50 films between 1931 and 1943 in many supporting roles, almost always in short subjects or low budget feature films. She never progressed to leading roles in important pictures because of her height. She stood just over five feet tall, and her early leading men towered over her. She soon found steady work with the Three Stooges, who were only a few inches taller than she was. And in 1940, she became Buster Keaton's leading lady for the same reason. Hmm. Some of her Stooge comedies were Loco Boy Makes Good, So Long Mr. Chumps, and the acronym of the week, I-T-S-P-A-P, 
or Italians take Steve Perry a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, who better to do it? Right? Hey. <laughs> no, sorry. That's that's incorrect. It's um Oh, what is it? It's it's in the sweet pie and pie. Ah. It was close. Hmm. Yeah, pizza pie. Yeah. <laughs> her petite figure belied her age, and she continued to play young into her 30s. Appleby left Hollywood in 1943 and married musician Paul Drake soon thereafter. They remained married until her death on August 9th. Absorbed. Absorbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, slow curly. <laughs> On August 15th, Jennifer Lawrence, star of Winter's Bone and Silver Linings Playbook, along with the Hunger Games franchise and the X-Men franchise, was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Winter's Bone. (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence. She's pretty. Indeed. TV. Hell of an actress, too. The top shows in the land are Cheers, Roseanne, The Cosby Show. No shit. Yeah, (laughs) go figure. Uh, Beauty pageant John John Benet Ramsey. Beauty pageant. Beauty pageant. John <laughs> Benet Ramsey. Start that over. I'll shut up. <laughs> John Benet Ramsey was born August 6th. She would find fame only six years later when her name and face appeared all over television for months and years. Absorbed. Yeah. Yeah. She, she lived. Um... About five houses down from my uh, grandma Refi in Colorado. What? Yeah. So you're, my uh. my Twyla's husband's mother lived just a few houses down from the Ramsey family. Huh. No joke. Hmm. Fun fact. Well, I I grew up down the street from the Bubble Boy, so I I have no response to that. Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> no, the actual real Bubble Boy lived. You know, like Jake Busey. <laughs> The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man grew up in my basement. <laughs> and I... Mike grew up in the backseat of a Dodge. <laughs> um, on August 7th, <laughs> the first televised war started when Operation Desert Shield began as the U.S. deployed troops into Saudi Arabia and Mike shit his pants, graduating high school with a C average. <laughs> that's a, for the draft board. That's exactly right. Yeah. You're 18, graduate school with a shit GPA, and we go to war. <laughs> You're like, I need to get into college ASAP. Yep. I'm going to be going to theology degree. That way I'll be a chaplain. <laughs> All right, moving on to sports. <laughs> what was that, Cheers? <laughs> no, that it was Space Quest. Space Quest, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> All right, moving on to sports. DeMarcus Cousins, current NBA All-Star, was born August 13th. Hooray. Hooray. For Zoidberg. On August 5th, pitcher Jim Palmer and two-time MVP Joe Morgan were both inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame. MLB. Don't ever do that again. (laughs) Yeah, what the fuck? NFL. Who are you? You sound like Yogi Bear. (laughs) Right? MLB boo-boo. Hey, boo-boo, want to watch the MLB? <laughs> On August 7th, the New York Yankees' Kevin Moss set a record with his 12th home run in his first 92 at-bats and became the 21st player to hit a home run into the third deck of Seattle's Kingdom 
After a stellar rookie season, Moss fell into obscurity and was out of the league in four years. Ah. He was never able to replicate his, his rookie year. What's he doing now? Probably a lot of cocaine. I doubt that. Kevin Moss, baseball player. Let's see. Turns out it's a shitload of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> now he is currently signed with the Hanshin Tigers of Japan's Central League. Ah, opium then. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and lastly in sports, on August 14th, the Angels' Louis Polonia became the 74th MLB player to hit an inside-the-park Grand Slam. <laughs> Ironic. Joel, hey, Su- Joel is singing Suicide is Painless. Nice. Mm-hmm. You you had unknown irony right there. See, Flatliners? Eh? Eh? Oh! See? I was, I, I, you, I was like, Louis Polonia did not kill himself. <laughs> Joel was deep for a moment. All right. So, Joel, keyboard Joel, lead us out. No, 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 no. Good God. Yeah, it got messy. Yeah. All right. So uh, we just watched everywhere. MLB. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're watching Flatliners this week, 1990 versus 2017. The 1990 version is currently sitting at 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. The summary. That That does seem low. It does seem low. Uh, Five medical students decide to embark on a dangerous experiment to pierce the veil between life and death in an attempt to learn more about the afterlife. Under their temporary deaths, they experience strange visions and memories long since forgotten. However, what they hadn't bargained for is that when they pierce the veil of life and death, as I said before, they'd each bring something back with them, something from their past that will not only haunt them, but is fully capable of hurting them as well. Uh, That is a commentary from Dismal Angel on IMDb, because the ones that are at the top of the screen kind of suck. Oh, they're awful. That's why whenever I do these, I end up going to uh, Wikipedia instead of IMDb. Yeah, I'm going yeah. down to the ones that are written by people that name themselves Dismal Angel. Uh, Flatliners, I'm on the Rotten Tomatoes. He's he's right. It says 48% critics, 59% audience. Well, I don't, didn't, yeah, disagree. Like, I disagree, but I don't think that he was lying or making up a number. Yeah, yeah oh, I thought, it just seems like no, it just seems like it should be higher than that. I thought yeah. maybe you thought he had grabbed like the new one or something. No, no, no. no. Um, this was directed by Joel Schumacher, who you may know from such classics as DC Cab. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's, well, actually, and then Robin. Uh, Saint Almost Fire, Falling Down. Ooh, Falling Down. Phone Booth. Eight Millimeter. Violent era. Uh, falling Down was fantastic. Is- all over the place. Number it really 20, is. <laughs> number 23 and the kind of tri- prequel, 12. Yeah, he um, he just seems like a mercenary director. Yeah. I can't I can't totally diss him, though. He did he did Lost Boys and he did Flatliners. Uh, this is written by Peter Filardi. <laughs> I'll, I'll have uh, some couscous and a side of Filardi, please. Clam juice or Mountain Dew. He is known for, ready for it? Gosh, gosh. One episode of MacGyver, Flatliners, The Craft, Something Called Ricky Six, Salem's Lot, two episodes, Nightmares and Dreamscapes, one episode, and then giving credit for the new Flatliners. See, hmm. un- unlike Joel Schumacher, this guy has a genre. Yeah, it's horror. Except for MacGyver. Mag- Mag- Hello, I'm MacGyver. 
I don't know. Did you see that episode? It might be I'm really fucked The Endangered? Let's see. I don't know. MacGyver visits an animal preserve to reunite with an old girlfriend who is a park ranger. Their reunion is complicated by a battle of Satan. No, of poachers. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, see? <laughs> uh, poachers with endangered animals. No, that was no. He was just getting into his uh, his groove. Uh, this is starring Kiefer Sutherland as Nelson Wright, Julia Roberts as Dr. Rachel Manis. I think we're seeing peak Julia Roberts here. Oh, yeah. Just about, yeah. Yeah. We ha- Have we hit Pretty Woman yet? I think we're pre-Pretty Woman on this one. If not, Pretty who the hell did I hit? Was nineteen ninety. Yeah, we're yeah. This is this is peak pretty peak pretty woman. Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon as David Labracchio, William Baldwin as Doctor Joe Hurley, and Oliver Platt as I wear my suspenders on the outside of my sweater vests as Randy Steckel. I oh. always like seeing Oliver Platt and stuff. I he, did too. You and I were fans back in the apartment days. I have marked this down that uh, where to go. Oliver Platt is underrated. Agreed. Oh, for sure. I really enjoy him. He's not he's not the center of attention often, but when he is in a movie, he is great. When he played Porthos in The Three Musketeers. He's a great second fiddle, or third fiddle even. But he's not another, a great, reason, not another reason for us to eventually do the Fargo show. He's in season one. Mm. Really? Uh-huh. Nice. Does he play Marge Gunderson? Oh, yeah. That would be some interesting casting. Yeah. That would be. I'll shut up now. Yeah, it's Martin Martin Freeman, Billy Bob Thornton, and like Colin Hanks and uh, Ewan McGregor. Like it's a great cast that first season. Yeah, well, Oliver Platt. So here's some trivia: uh, Julia Roberts and Kiefer Sutherland started dating during filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ended up uh. engaged, but Roberts mm-hmm. ultimately broke it off, and then later ma- married Lyle Lovett. Love it. What the hell? <laughs> Chicks love musicians. One of us. Even even average ones. Yeah, I got nothing he's, for that. He's just weird looking. He's talented, but he's weird looking. Just like you. Aw, thanks. I didn't, you think Tom, I'm talented? Tom Petty was pretty weird looking. Rick Ocasek is pretty weird looking. Yeah. They all get some pretty good looking ladies. Uh, Joe is pretty weird looking. Joe Cocker. There's what does his wife look like? I don't know. Well, that's the <laughs> but I'm just saying he's weird looking. <laughs> Really? But it doesn't apply if he doesn't have a good-looking woman. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. Okay. Joe Cocker's wife. Pam Baker. Well, it sounds like a hot name. Well, it doesn't know good. It, she's I all what like... it's like when they have sex, though. The faces he must make. Oh, he doesn't Christ. make any faces anymore. All right. You know what? We're done. Uh, Makes sense. During pre- pre-production, the actors worked with the medical technical advisor, Ruth F. Eckholm who tutored them on the proper medical procedures for the scenes with the students flatline on the EKG and EEG machines, signaling cardiac and brain death, respectively. They also took advantage of Peter Filardi's research of published accounts from people who had near-death experiences. Almost all accident victims reported a tunnel leading to a beautiful white light and friendly voices. People who had attempted suicide had troubled, emotionally painful near-death experiences. Hmm. So I should die in an accident? What? Hello. Hello. I'm I'm here. I was trying to figure out what happened. I was just letting Mike twist. (laughs) You fucker. (laughs) All right. So Val Kilmer turned down the role of Nelson Wright. Nicole Kidman was considered for the role of Rachel Maness. I could see Val Kilmer pulling this off. 
Yeah, it would have been a very different take on the character. But I think I was just thinking that. Yeah, but I think Val Kilmer and Kiefer Sutherland at at this time were like neck and neck for method actors. For sure, but I mean, I don't know. Kiefer, especially at this stage of his career, always had that like just this side of Victor Frankenstein, mad scientist thing going on. Well, there's a clear path from this to Dark City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was a clear path between this uh, from Lost Boys to this. Yeah, for sure. So uh, following a brief period of rehearsals, Joel Schumacher assembled the film's cast and crew in Chicago on October 23rd, 1989. For two nights, the Museum of Science and Industry was used as the ominous exterior of the Taft building. For the exterior of the university campus, the production selected the scenic Lakeshore campus of Loyola University. Hmm. I will say Museum of Science and Industry at night would be probably be terrifying. I would concur with that. Yeah, although I think the Field Museum would be scarier. I don't know, man. You go upstairs and you got those all those fetuses in the jars and shit. Uh, yeah, the, but the I'd say about 80% of the Museum of Science and Industry, I don't know if you've been in the last decade or so, is very, very plasticky kid-friendly. Oh, really? Yeah, if you recall, I lived across the street from the Museum of Science and Industry for five years. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been there since the uh, Jim Henson thing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was a while back. Okay. So producer Michael Douglas, yes, that Michael Douglas, had previously starred in a film with the same mixed genre in Michael Crichton's Coma, 1978. I so, don't remember him in that movie. I don't remember that movie. Oh, I've read the book. Yeah, trying to imagine, yeah. like... An action movie where a guy's in a coma and like he fights crime, but he's in a coma the whole time. No, you don't remember where they where they go into the back room. They go into the room of the hospital and they have all the bodies hanging by strings from the ceiling. No. Nope. Yep. Nope. Never saw it. Oh wow. Uh, you should see it. It's freaky as shit and actually pretty good. Directed and written by Michael Crichton. Oh, well, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, who else is I in agree. there? I agree. It's good. Michael Douglas and Rip Torn. Interesting. All right, so there's a trivia. Is this a first viewing for anybody? No. No. Absolutely not. This this was one of my guilty pleasures. I put it on the same level as Nightbreed, where I can recognize its flaws, but I love it regardless. I agree with you. There. I would 100% agree with that as well. Yeah, this is definitely in the same genre as Nightbreed, with the, first off, the entire school is in a catacomb. When they're doing the yeah, uh, the lighting is awful in their laboratories. Like well, no no surgical room is going to be lit like that. Oh, you mean when they were working on the cadavers? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And usually I, there's like one cadaver per class, unless unless. Well, I guess they were pretty close to graduating, so maybe they do get one each. Yeah, but yeah, movie logic. Well, with all those giant oil paintings behind them and all that, that was kind of weird. Like and the uh, when they they're doing the the actual flatlining and there's the the wall of gloved hands behind them yeah i was wondering what that was about yeah. i mean i get it if it's two uh, one set of gloves like that you would you know reach into some something that's like biohazardous but the whole all of them <laughs> well i think it was supposed to be the workman's gloves that were rehabbing that church and they decided to display them like that because it's fucking creepy like that was a filmmaking decision, but the justification for why they were there was almost certainly the uh, rehab crew that we see the first time Nelson cuts through the church. Now to, uh, to touch on the cadaver thing real quick, when I was in, in May school and we went and uh, 
to Cadaver Lab. We had two, and there was only ten of us, so hmm. that helps at all. That's almost one per orifice. Holy shit! There were two. <laughs> Sorry. They were both dudes. Does that help? No. <laughs> There's still an orifice. I have a giant smile on my face. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just slipped out. That's, That's what, what she said. said. Hey! All right. Yeah. Everybody drink. Available. All right. So uh, running running through the uh, the plot real quick. Okay. So it starts out with Kiefer Sutherland, Nelson Wright, standing on the side of the river, looking super cool as always, and opening the movie after all the statues with the phrase, today's a good day to die. Yeah, this movie is dripping with style. Oh yeah, and that's I think is part. I mean, is a hundred percent of the reason why they're working on cadavers in poorly lit, gigantic tile floored rooms with oil paintings all around them. Right. I it, mean, you—it definitely just, is not medical school. Oh no, no, and it's it's almost like hey, the medical school broke. Medical school broke down. Let's do all the cadavers in this church. Um. So <laughs> keep yourself. Because it looks cool. Yeah. Because, They're a gothic medical school. Because cool. That's pretty much the, the th- sub-theme for this one. Uh, so Kiefer Sutherland wants to flatline himself to see what lays beyond death. So he enrolls Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon, William Baldwin, and Oliver Platt to bring, kill him and then bring him back. And it works best if you don't think too hard about what exactly he's trying to accomplish. That's actually a good sub-theme for this one. Right. Flatliners, don't think too hard about it. Right. Just enjoy it. Like, well, turn off your brain. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you can't really give any data that's not anecdotal, so the research isn't really of any value, but shut up, it's a movie, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Right. We're going to videotape it, and that's it. So it starts... Not, we're not going to keep the camera on anything particular for any important scenes. Oh, no, we're William Baldwin is going to point the camera at the ground for 90% of the time. Um, I'm not going to write anything down to document, you know, specific times and you yeah. know, readings that are on the monitors or things. No, no, no. Very no. scientific. Yeah. So they he enrolls uh, Kevin Bacon, who is a friend of his, who has just gotten suspended from medical school for attempting to perform surgery on a patient while he is still a student. Which And why did he need to rappel down the building? I wrote that down. Why is he climbing out the window? I they don't, don't know. Have, they don't have stairs? Because they needed to have Kiefer Sutherland try and stab himself in the face with the climbing hammer later. Well, with all the construction they're doing on the school that's forcing them to do their stuff in the church, they must have taken the stairs down temporarily? Let's run with that. But if he's ah. kicked out, he's just leaving his rappelling equipment behind? Wouldn't he climb up to the roof and take his gear? Yeah, that's a problem I had, too. He's leaving that. So much continuity. It's like they didn't want to know that he left. Aside from the rope hanging out of his window. (laughs) So in the end of it, we discover that Kevin Bacon is a terrible student. You know, one of the rules. He's too cool and too good for rules. Yeah, man. You can't tell me whose life I can't attempt to save and all that shit. Uh, So they they expel him for a semester, even though Kiefer Sutherland, Nelson, tells him they're going to bring you back afterwards. Just suck it up. Take it. Kevin Bacon wants to run away and go off in his Jeep mobile and do something. In the meantime, don't we'll... let him back because he's the best. Yes. Yeah. There's like 20 minutes of Kiefer Sutherland going to the rest of the cast. Come on, do the thing. They're like, no, I won't do the thing. Do the thing. I won't do the thing. Okay, I'll do the thing. We all know you're going to do the thing. You wouldn't be in the movie. 
Right. Or I'm not going to do the thing, but then I'm going to show up unannounced and do the thing. And save everybody. Right. So William Baldwin is busy screwing women and videotaping them, to which uh, had an amazing, uh, I'll tell you, watching this movie and forgetting about that scene and having both of your teenage daughters in the same room with you, that's awkward. Um, <laughs> I, I was watching it at work on my phone. Gosh. But you work for a hospital, so that's, I guess, kind no, of... I work for, for an insurance company. All right, you're fucked, man. Somebody got that on video. No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I tried to fast-forward it because I was playing it off of uh, Google on my phone, to my f- and it locked up. And so I managed to pause it just in time, time to see uh, William Baldwin's naked ass on the screen. So that was awesome. Ooh. Good timing. I know, right? And then Oliver yes. Platt, being as plattish as he can be as Randy Steckel, uh, coming in and condemning everything over his little voice recorder. I liked his little narration. I do. You know what? And he made a change from the entire thing from the very beginning. He was beginning. He's like, this is terrible. We should not be doing this. I hate this. This is not good to. All right. We're learning stuff about this. And then kind of almost being shepherdish to the rest of them. Yeah. And he's got this great thing where it starts out Shakespearean almost and ends with, or maybe we're just fucked in the head. I love that. That was good stuff right there. Uh, So they go in and they kill Kiefer. Uh, strawberry flavored kefir. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. I didn't. I'm sad and happy at the fact that you are the only one that laughed at that. So they kill Nelson, bring him back, and uh, he has a. He almost kind of looks like he's in a helicopter coming down on the uh, the no rain video. You know, with the people in the in the field jumping around, and then you realize that they're actually chasing a kid down later on in the movie. Julia Roberts. Oh, who goes next? Not Julia. No, because she wants to go next. Like they and they all have this sense every time someone goes under of, oh, my God, we can't bring him back, which is suspenseful about the first and only the first time. Right. Then you're like, oh, wait, they've got this down. They can bring him back. No problem. Yeah, it's just going to take a little bit longer with a little more swearing. Right. Uh, So, oh, uh, Billy Baldwin goes down next. Yeah, that's right. Joe. Joe goes down for a minute and a half. They do this bidding thing, like who's willing to go under the longest. Right. I can name that tune in three notes. Is name that tune still around? Squirrel. They always end up up under longer than they planned on it, too, so the bidding doesn't even matter. Right. So uh, Joe Hurley goes under, and in his dream, he's riding around. Wait, what what is he doing in his dream? Oh, there's all the uh, naked, naked women. Yeah. Very, very that, sexy dream. Right. Well, he starts out being born, and then it goes through his, his experiences with women until he gets to modern day, where it's just a field of half-naked and naked ladies. Okay, so he dies and sees nothing but tits. Basically. Even even after he dies, he's getting laid, as, uh, as Steckel said. Right. So uh, he comes back, and then Kevin Bacon, David LaRoscio, Le- he goes down. And he sees himself teasing a poor black girl on the on the playground at school. What was her name? Winnie, right? Winnie, yes. Oh, yeah. Good memory. Right on, man. Teasing Winnie. Uh, Randy Steckel wants nothing to do with any of that shit. <laughs> He's, Oliver Platt is wisely stepping back and letting this take its course, but not engaging at all. Well, they outbid him, like, in the first round of bidding. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's... he's... 
he's tape recording everything. He gets more and more into it as it goes by documenting it. That's his, his part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he even says like, if it had been three minutes, I might've gone, but you guys are already pushing four minutes. Yeah. I would have played if you guys had gone reasonably, but you guys are nuts. So 37 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Jesus. So they put one by one. Each of these four goes under, they all get brought back and Nelson walking home through probably what are the, what is probably the worst shortcut to his house <laughs> right. in the world. Hey, I'm going to walk through this back alley full of homeless people and crazy people. But then I'm going to see my dead dog and decide to follow it into a even worse area. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, it totally follows um, horror movie rules. Yeah. I mean, Pennywise is looking. I'm like, eh, too easy. Right. <laughs> Nah, they just easy. go into the sewer. Let, <laughs> let the kid oh, this, have it. This, ran, this, this random homeless woman knows my name. Might as well continue on. Seriously. Okay. I work in downtown Chicago. If I am ever walking anywhere and one of the crazy homeless people looks at me and calls me by my full name, They're I'm not going. the face. I'm not going for a hot dog that day. I'm going back to the office and wait until I can go home. You're gonna go find a cop, is what you're gonna do. <laughs> That's true. Like, you arrest this person right now. For what? She um, knew my name. That's not a crime, sir. I don't know her. <laughs> she's, she's going to do something bad. She smells Haven't you bad. ever seen a movie? Yeah. Have you not seen Kiefer? Um, when I, he's sitting uh, right after coming out and you've got all of the neon like devil graffiti, mm-hmm. I lo- just love the way that scene was shot. And that... That is, you are correct in this one, that this movie is, while it is light on plot, and there's a lot of moments where you're suspending your belief in what's going on, it is so super stylized that you can forgive it. Like, they keep using medical supplies and no one notices. <laughs> this is, Hospitals this is, keep a tight rein on that stuff. Right? Especially the uh, the the drugs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they, um, this is one of the rare instances of a movie that... Uh, is more style than substance that I actually still like. Most of the time when a movie, you know, is like that, I, I tend to, you know, to dislike them, but I actually still enjoy this one despite the fact, because it, there's just enough substance to where it, you know, like, like it's not too much. Well, like, it's got like, a little bit of everything. They, they've got their own kind of cool style. And then you get a deep dive into their backstory from the hallucinations, little bit of horror, a mm-hmm. little bit of plus, horror, a little bit of introspection on people. Plus, look at the cast. You had these young up-and-coming actors and actresses that were kind of reaching their peak all in the same movie together before it was cool to have ensemble pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the uh, adjacent to the uh, Brat Pack. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you could say this was before that, because they even, I mean, we'd, we'd no. already had the Breakfast Club, and we'd already had uh, St. Elmo's Fire. And there's the uh, whole side branch of the Brat Pack movies that goes through Young Guns. And you've got, yeah. Young Guns. Nice. So I would put this on that family tree. Yeah. So going down their uh, flatline events, uh, Kiefer gets discovered that he chased down a kid and caused that kid to die. Yeah. yeah, that's the big reveal in the end of Act 3. Yeah, Billy he, McManus gets a little... Uh, what, what was the word he used? He gets a little excited. Not, not excited. <laughs> Ooh, Billy McManus gets excited. Oh, I think he said he's an excitable little fellow or something like something that. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Any hunger and then an excitable boy. Um, Rachel Mc- Rachel Manis, uh, we discover that her mother blamed her for the suicide of her father who was doing heroin after coming back from the military. There's a shitload of guilt to dump on a uh, six-year-old <laughs> right. kid. Uh, this is your fault! That's just, yeah, that's just good mean, parenting. Yeah. Kevin Bacon having been part of a gang of kids, I mean, what he did was cruel and awful and bullying, but like he's in a different weight class from the others. Yeah. Between the sex tapes, the uh, murder, and the guilt over father's suicide. Yeah. Speaking of which, I teased a girl. But but that's why his was so easy to dismiss, too, I think. For Mm -hmm. sure. I wanted to make sure and mention uh, Billy Baldwin's fiance in the film was played by the lovely and talented Hope Davis, who. Doesn't get enough work, in my opinion, but uh, this was really early on for her. I hope. Cute. She's so cute. Anyway, so, uh, she doesn't fly line. Yeah. So uh, Billy Baldwin deals with the fact that he's been uh, has a fiance and has been videotaping himself having sex with quite a few women quite without few. their knowledge. Without their knowledge. Yes. And another learning moment. Thing watching <laughs> watching this. During to my daughter saying, this is not the kind of boy you want to date. Billy Baldwin. Stay away from him. But nowadays, everybody has cameras. I was going to say, really, this is every guy in Hollywood right now. And oh, stays yeah. away from Billy Baldwin. No, I'm just specifically <laughs> Billy Baldwin. In fact, all the Baldwins. Stay away from all of them. Just good rule of rule of thumb. Even Ahmed. Ahmed Baldwin. Oh, the least known guy. of the Baldwin brothers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in 20 years. (laughs) So, uh, one by one, their terrors come back to haunt them. Kevin Bacon gets gets accosted by the most foul-mouthed little girl I've ever heard in my life. Though I say she delivered those lines well. Uh, Billy Baldwin, Dr. Joe... (laughs) She all the, all those girls at the auditions for that one were like were like I can't wait to get this part. <laughs> yeah, all these words I get to say. <laughs> uh, Doctor Joe Hurley is accosted by women who are responding back to him with all the pickup lines that he's ever used in his life. Yeah, and scenes from his private video collection are appearing on TVs, the camera, yeah, the monitors, <laughs> yep, the heart monitor. Oh, that was weird. And uh, Ra- oh, we went over Rachel already, right? Yes. So one by one, these people are showing up in their lives. And strangely enough, nobody decides to actually mention it to each other for fear that they might tr- think they're weird after they've put themselves yeah, under. Yeah, the whole movie, everybody's like, are you seeing anything weird? No? You? No? Uh-uh. No? Oh. Well, here. I, I think part of it is it's intensely personal. Like, Nelson no. It suspects almost immediately what's going on, but the experiments stop if he says anything. Mm. Then Joe doesn't want to admit what a piece of shit he is, so he just pretends it never happened. See, that's why if it was us, we would be like, yeah, totally, this is happening, because we know each other as our all pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, David figures out what's going on, but not before Rachel goes under. Yes, and then they all come back on Nelson, and why the hell didn't you say anything? And, of course, he doubles down with, you want to ride on my coattails. Yeah, he goes off. Yeah. Oh, oh the mutiny has started. <laughs> yeah. Though I have to say, while the plot does make little sense, why would you not say, holy crap, this kid that I saw when I flatlined just beat the shit out of me 
in my very sparsely decorated apartment. <laughs> yeah, what was up with that? I, I mean, don't know. He had a desk and a bed. Maybe that's all he needs. I never understood that. He has all this space in, in downtown, and yet there's nothing in there but horrible fluorescent blue lighting that's going to make you have weird nightmares. Right. So he manages to... What was the name of the kid again? Billy. Billy, Billy McManus. Billy McManus. Billy McManus kicks his ass and his... When twice. he gets home, McMurray, twice, McMurray. spits in his mouth. Oh, that part always curses me out. And that's my fetish. Um, Tab 28. <laughs> and then we discover that Nelson picked on a kid when he was he was little. Yeah, and he decides to try to track her down, make things right with her to see if that uh, makes it all go away. Right. Which I guess is as good a plan as any. You know... It's and the thing is, he discovers that she's still alive, so he knows that this is a hallucination. And yeah, uh, they play very fast and loose with exactly what it is. Like mm-hmm. we know it's not ghosts. It's not ghosts. It's not demons. It is. It is plot device coming back to get you. It's probably a manifestation of their guilt, but they they leave that really fuzzy. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, it's good that they did. I can't see if they really started digging into the why and the how of this. I think it would it would have gotten this worse. Movie, this movie falls apart if you put too many rules into it. Exactly. For sure. Although a rule we could have used is what exactly Nelson's plan was at the end. Because like everyone resolves their trauma one by one, except he can't make it right because he killed the kid. The big reveal. I, I, think, I think he thinks that he has to die to make it right. He's like, I killed him, so I have to die. Oh, yeah. Which, okay, so he doesn't actually have a plan. He's just going to die. Yeah, he, just, he just gonna, he plans on just sacrificing himself. He's like, nothing's going to make this right other than my death, so let's just do it. And if I, aren't there easier ways to do it than all of the shots and the blanket and the monitors? I mean, being a doctor, I mean, why wouldn't you take the way that you're used to doing? You know? And Okay, that's fair. I'm nitpicking. And yeah. here's something else. When he did it, he's filling up that syringe. He's about to kill himself, to put himself under, to die, so this will stop. And what does he do? He takes the alcohol swab and cleans off the spot on his arm before he gives himself a shot. <laughs> well, of course. Well, again, th- again, that's just force of habit. Yeah, I'm a, but I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, I think that's actually fairly good writing because... They probably a, a doctor probably would do that, right? The, I mean, they always swab the guys before they give them a lethal injection, which I find funny. Yeah, right. But at the same, in, and, and they're is what you're worried about. Yeah, what are they at the? They're at the end of their med med student. I mean, they're at the end of the their uh, schooling for it. So, I mean, at that point, you're right. It would be a reflex action to swab down whatever it is you're about to inject. And if you know a way to kill yourself painlessly and quickly and efficiently, you know, call me and let me know. No, well, yeah, well, first of all, yeah, like I went in on that action. But secondly, you know, I mean, that's what they would obviously go for. I mean, he's already used it once to kill himself and he got brought back. Why wouldn't he use it again? It's not like he would suddenly just get a gun and shoot himself. Right. And thing, little things that I liked about this, while they do play fast and loose with the whole medical XYZ thing, when when um he tries to kill himself and David and Joe and Randy all catch up with him, Rachel comes in and her first statement is, he just called me at this time. This is how long he's been dead. Right. I I, I don't know why, but that stuck with me. And I like that because it's like, the, it, like with the reflex action of swabbing down your arm before you inject yourself to kill yourself, they still remain doctors in it. 
Yeah, I've had to forgive uh, another particular sin that this one gets into pretty heavily because uh, it's all over the place in film and TV. The idea that you can restart a completely stopped heartbeat with a defibrillator. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they're I mean, also you using... You have to cut somebody open and start massaging their heart. Well, but yeah, they also... or otherwise get a heartbeat. Yeah. They, they also use CPR, though, and um, uh, don't they use a... Epis and all that kind of crap. In yeah, but shots. They, they're frequently giving the shot uh, with the defib first, which right. would do absolutely nothing. And it is medical students, like if after one CPR class, I know that as medical students, they should know that too. And there's they didn't, uh, haven't taken CPR yet. There was the one. Shut up. <laughs> there was the one scene where, um, when he was when um when Nelson was about to give the shot to to her and. Kevin Bacon gives the impassioned plea, don't, you know, don't do it or whatever. I thought for sure that was going to come back into play at some point, and it never did. Like, they never had to give that emergency shot of whatever it was to somebody. We never found out what would have been the bad call, you know, what what would have happened if he had given it to her, why he didn't want him to give it to her. That was never even touched again. What was that stuff? Uh, out of, what, what was it? Bella, Bella, Bellanini? I don't know. Something. It was. A Bellini? Ooh, that's delicious. I uh, like a good Bellini. peach Bellanini. Yeah, peach Bellinis, whatever it was. Oh. I don't remember what the name of the stuff was, but oh, you know shit. what goes good with Bellanini? Filardi, Filardi, <laughs> Filardi. Bellanini is actually the name of a NBA basketball player, Marco Bellanini. And that was funny to one person. Yeah, me and my <laughs> audience. You have an audience in my head. Can it you get also Bellison? him? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a whole other conversation we do not need to get into. All right, so. One thing that bugged me, so Nelson killed this kid, he runs away, two blocks away, he jumps over a wall, and there's the grave. What are the chances? No, well, he, he, said, he he had said that he knew where he was, and he'd been a long time since he'd been there, but, but it, it wasn't like he just randomly found it. He knew where he was going. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, my point is, it was, it was literally a three-minute run from where he was currently standing to get to the grave of the kid. Well, he had told them to drive to to he they were driving to his old neighborhood. Yeah, he gave them directions where uh, when they insisted, okay, where are we going? He knew, okay, I'm about three minutes at a flat run away. I, I could forgive that. Remember, he they, they uh, he said, you know, we got to you know Kevin Bacon as he was chasing after Julia Roberts told them that we got to find Billy for Sutherland, so he took them to where he knew Billy was. Okay, all right, I'll forgive you, Kiefer, just because I love you. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Not enough gravel. No. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> what was that? He's not Mr. Mr. Pipe. He's not <laughs> too much robot. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. No, you, you know what? Stop thanking me. <laughs> right. I was going to um, say, add two it, shakes it, of spring, uh, uh, Springsteen and you're there. <laughs> uh, 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 thank you, Mike. Oh, my no. God. Oh, that's, not, that's even worse. Okay, <laughs> I, th- I think we're done. So uh, Nelson goes after this kid. He tries to kill himself after after being in the graveyard. They bring him back. Oh, wait, no, he's really dead. Kevin Bacon has a dramatic, you can't die on me. And then they wind up bringing him back and everybody has a happy ending. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, Billy Baldwin came to terms with it when his fiance discovered what a shit heel he was. Julia Roberts discovers that, you know what? You're not the reason your, your uh, dad killed himself. He was... PTSD and was doing heroin. I tell you what, though, as far as Julia Roberts' character is concerned, I would gladly like 
die for five minutes just to hug my dad for one minute again. So she got off pretty pretty well. She got to hug her dad, dad. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm just saying wind out of the sails, man. Damn. Way to kill it with real life things happening, Pat. I mean, you made me feel an emotion, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> now I, mean, I come here to laugh, not to feel. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. I've got the weirdest Ooh, boner. <laughs> but no, my whole, my, 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 I'm watching this movie going, you know, yeah, I would do this. I would try this. You know, I mean, with, with medical students at the ready to bring you back, I would give it a shot because, you know, if, it, if I don't come back, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, and, and then, and then, you know, she, she actually gets to go and hug her dad. I was like, oh, I would definitely do it now. I was in for the suicide. Right? Yeah, I was in it just for dying, <laughs> but now, now there's even more. Holy, holy shit. What? Things got dark. Now I have to put a disclaimer at the beginning of the show, dude. Seriously. <laughs> That's not that dark. I've been much darker than that. Can we go back reverse to two medical students per orifice? I feel pretty okay <laughs> about that comment now. That's, what, what's wrong is the fact that that is the least disturbing thing that has been said on this show so far. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> well, um, have we beat this horse to death and revived it, it? Yeah, and brought it back. <laughs> Apparently. Um, so, yeah, so they bring him back. Everyone's happy. They go back to school in their museum. I, I think my point in all this, by the way, is at LodgeCon, if you guys want to try and kill me and bring me back, let's do it. That is literally, I mean, I was going to LodgeCon, and my thought was, I'm going to play headbands. <laughs> it was on my list as a maybe. <laughs> now we're going to play Flatliners. Woo! Flatliners. <laughs> For those of all you right. that don't know, we are going to be in Bourbonnet, Illinois, on the 10th of February, doing a open panel on... What are we doing on? I can't remember the title, but it's basically talking about what we talk about here. Nostalgia in the age of peak TV, like Stranger Things and how uh, one of the ways people are narrowing down what they want to watch when there's an overwhelming number of hours of what to watch is what they're already familiar with. Exactly. And then on day two, we're going over formative media. Right. I don't know. I don't know what the, uh... Day three, we're doing that. Was about funnier Jim in my head than apparently it was in actuality. So never and mind. we'll be providing Kool Aid if anyone's interested. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm interested. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, we're gonna try and talk Pat off a ledge, and I think we'll go to the break. <laughs> Good luck to you. All right, so when we come back, uh, we are going to talk about the remake, which just came out uh, last year. Flatliners 2017. Yeah, so, just like at the end. I mean, it just literally dropped out of the uh, the theaters and went straight to video in like a matter of a few months. So it's I'm not really I'm not joking. I hadn't until we did this show. I had no idea there was a remake. Oh, it was on my radar for a while, especially with Ellen Page and Diego Luna. But we'll we'll talk about that once we come back. Alright, we are back, and we are going to talk about Flatliners 2017, currently sitting at 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, So, medical students begin to explore the realm of near-death experiences, hoping for insights 
Each has their heart stopped and revived, and they begin to have having flashes of waking nightmares from their childhood, reflecting sins that they committed or had committed against them. The experiences continue to intensify, and they begin to be physically beaten by their visions as they try to go deeper into the death experience to find a cure. Uh, That was written by Heatmeister73. I don't think anybody was beaten in this one. Well, I suppose if they throw you off a fire escape, that's kind of beaten all at once. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you, Heatmeister, for that. If you are a listener, thank you. If not, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the Cold Miser listens to us. I don't know about the Heat Miser. Oh, dude, Cold Miser was cooler anyway. He's Mr. Ten Below. Exactly. So this is <clears throat> directed by Niels Arden Oplev. Who uh, is did the amazing Girl with a Dragon Tattoo from 2009. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. Still have not seen it. That whole trilogy is fantastic. I've heard. Oh, he did that one. He actually did the version of the girl with the dragon tattoo that I didn't like. The original Swedish version. You didn't like. Oh, wait, no. Oh, never mind. Not the David Fincher one. Okay, that's the one I did like. I'm glad I haven't seen either of them. I don't know what I did and didn't like at this point. (laughs) The Numi Rapace versions are the the quintessential ones. Yes, he's along with that, he's also known for doing Headbang E. Hovlandat and Forzavar. He's not kidding. The episode Udenverloven. I have those in my DVR. I think they may be a little bit different. So Peter Peter Filardi is, uh, again, part of the writing because he wrote the first one. But the other part of it, Ben Ripley. Believe it or not. (laughs) I was just going to say that. I was looking at his credits. Now, here's the thing. He wrote Flatliners. He wrote something called Boy Choir, which may not be what I think it is. Don't <laughs> don't search it. Yeah, definitely not searching that one. But he wrote Source Code also, which I like. Sequel apparently. Yeah, there's going to be a sequel to it. That movie was okay. They also did Species Three and Four. <laughs> All right, you Those know what? I, not okay. I'm not so much interested in it anymore. This is starring a one Ellen Page as Courtney. Incredible actress. Yay, Ellen Page. Yeah. Yay. A uh, Diego Luna as also Ray, incredible as Yay, Ray Diego. as Ray, which I think is kind of ironic. Get it? Ah, uh-huh. uh, see, Ray. Uh, but they were in the same movie together. Exactly. Oh. Nina Dobrov as Marlo. Wow. Yeah, I remember her from the Vampire Diaries, and she's been in a bunch of other stuff, but I mostly remember her from the Vampire Diaries. I gotta watch that. Been sitting there for it's a okay. While. Nina Dobrev is like ninety percent of the reason to watch it. Yeah. Uh, James Norton as Jamie. I kept getting him confused with. Uh, at first, I thought it was the <clears throat> what's the blonde guy's name from Rent? Uh, and Margaret. I know who you're talking about. And <laughs> I rap. Yeah, I don't think they look at all alike. Army Hammer. <laughs> oh, I got Mike with Anne Margaret. I think. <laughs> I did. I kept thinking he was Anthony Rapp at first. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> both heads. <laughs> They're both human beings. Here, I'll post his IMDb in the chat and has his picture. And tell me if he doesn't look sort of like this guy. He doesn't look sort of like this guy. No, <laughs> I did he look. Not. He does not look like him. <laughs> All right. right. Also that starring. Guy, that guy looks more like Andrew Daly, the comedian. 
You look like Andrew Daly. A little bit. Of the I'm Daily like Show. Joel. What? <laughs> All right, Joel, you're, you're you're done for now. I think so. <laughs> Kiersey Clemens. Kiersey? Yeah, Kiersey Clemens. Yeah. As Sophia and she's Kiefer Sutherland. Kiersey? Hmm? She's Kiersey? Yeah, she, I uh, pretty much know her from Angie Tribeca. Like, she was in Neighbors 2, but I mm. don't specifically remember her. But she's kind of a featured player on Angie Tribeca. Which... She's, like, she, she's like a young Rosario Dawson. Don't forget mm. she was in Dope. That movie was freaking amazing. Was that movie Dope? Dope. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's. So I good. didn't actually see that one. Me either. Oh, it's phenomenal. And honestly, I probably wouldn't have seen Angie Tribeca if it wasn't for Rashida Jones. Yeah. All right. And uh, <clears throat> Kiefer Sutherland as John Larroquette. <laughs> you, With a weird accent. Yes, weird accent. I did not know his nose was that fat. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, he Kiefer, looked like a combination of Malcolm McDowell and John Larroquette. Yeah, he did. That's a, That's a good mix. What's interesting is that if they were going to bring back cameos from the other cast, the only one that maybe wouldn't show up is uh, Kevin Bacon and Julia Roberts. But Billy Baldwin, I don't think, has too much going on. I guarantee, I guarantee you Kevin Bacon would show up. I can oh. see Oliver Platt. Kevin Bacon is, is into the nostalgia now. Because he's I Kevin just, Bacon. I'm surprised it was only Kiefer, honestly. And I think it there was no reason to not make him Nelson. Right. He could have he easily been a men, uh, like a mentor to them and at some point come in and and, and done a heroic save on one of them and then warned them all and blah, 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 and had a big dramatic speech moment and, and they never even used it. And then so we would have. Even if he was just there as Nelson and they're doing this completely under his radar, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. There's just no reason to just randomly make him Dr. Barry. So, uh, in the trivia, this movie is not a sequel to the 1990 movie. Bum, bum, bum. It is a remake, reimagining, or a version of the previous movie and has no other connection to it at all. Although Kiefer Sutherland appears in both versions, he plays two different characters. But initially, he was supposed to play Nelson again. In fact, in an interview... And they made the dumb decision not to have him do that. Exactly. I mean, in, in, in an interview, he had commented that he was supposed to... He was coming back as Nelson. Yeah, and, I mean, and then some suits got involved. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Somebody behind it, behind a table. It's baffling to me. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, a voiceover says, "Some line should not be crossed," which is the tagline of the 1990 version. Which they figured they'd probably throw that in, in the at the end, so they'd be like, "Oh, hey, I remember that old movie that I love so much, and maybe I'll rate this higher on." Uh, give it, give him a cowabunga at the end. Exactly. Maybe I'll rate it higher on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, all five of you did that. Thank you. Good God. Um, Ellen Page is a great actress, but this is a terrible movie. I think you hated it a lot more than I did. My first comment in my notes is I hate all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I was 100% in on this movie up until the point where Ellen Page goes off the side of the fire escape. That was, I, I was on the line on that one until she went over the fire skip and then I hated it. Yeah. Like I was uh, fine with uh, Like I, uh, thought that you've got these young, attractive people. You've got two very good actors and otherwise fairly competent actors. And, uh, yeah, there's some silly stuff in the script, but it's no sillier than in the original. And then you take, Ellen Page's character, who is 
basically the protagonist of the movie. She's the analog to Nelson in a lot of ways. And you just kill her when her story is not done being told. You kill her when her you kill her when her story even begins because you own, you know that a girl died with her in a car accident and but you don't they, even they, know they, who she is. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's pretty obvious who she is. You know, I mean, from the beginning, I mean, they they open the movie basically spoiling her own plotline for sure. But I don't I don't feel like her character had a completed arc. It, it didn't have like an her, arc because they started off with the with the ending. Oh, I don't think that's necessarily true. It's not just the reveal of what they did. It's the character growth they get through processing it. And that was the point that she never got to. She never came to terms with her sister's death. We just went into schlock horror movie and she's dead. There's no resolution. I and think like, it was, yeah, I think it was their way to try to like insert a shock because they're, you know, like in the first movie, they didn't actually let anybody die, but Hey, we're going to kill somebody in this one. Well, and I, I think you have to earn that, especially if you push somebody uh, forward as the protagonist of the movie. You can't just kill them because no one's going to see it coming. That's a right. shitty reason. Well, and here, okay, let's let's go a little bit of plot line here. Sophia's exactly the, the same as the first. Wait, who? Sophia. I think plot wise, it would have made a little more sense if she was the one that actually died. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she was the one that started turning into a quote unquote bad girl. And revolting against her mom, and like typical Hollywood trope would be, she's the one that would pay the price. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's the thing is you usually like somebody dies because they deserve it using some sort of twisted logic. They're evil or they violate a rule or whatever. You want to show how truly evil the opposition is. Also doesn't apply here because there's no like actual personal force behind them. Mm-hmm. Or you've otherwise earned it in terms of like plot and character development. Well, and even I, the plot and character development on Sophia was it she was 50/50 on everything. It was, "Oh my god, I can't learn this stuff at all. Switch over. You totally need to inject this much these many CCs into this to bring them back book this that and the other." I mean, it was it was either I don't know what's going on or I am 100% confident of what <laughs> I'm doing. There was no transition. It was the switch was either on or off. With her. Well, the switch was supposedly thrown when after they flatlined. Okay, and I have issue. All right, Courtney, Jamie, you've just flatlined. Let's have a party and go wreck our fucking apartment. Yeah. What the hell was the whole thing with breaking down the wall between the bedroom? Was it supposed to be some sort of? I don't know. Was I'm pretty okay with that, considering that uh, a lot of this had they were taking a slant on this where it's like we're getting into uh, unlocking parts of the brain because we fucked with it a little bit. So that's their id taking over. I'm pretty okay with that. They're losing impulse control because their brains have been messed with. I can kind of give you that. I also like that they explicitly addressed a few of the problems in the original. Like you can't possibly bring somebody back from the dead if you're just in a dirty church with three pieces of medical equipment. Well, not to mention that they actually were using the medical equipment to document what was happening in the brain. So they had some actual substance behind the science. And uh, they also are, they didn't commit the cardinal sin. Diego Luna specifically says, no, don't hit her with the defibrillator. If there's no heartbeat, it won't do anything. I was like, yes, somebody gets it. (laughs) 
But here's the thing. Whereas the original Flatliners, yeah. Oh, we got to bring the defibrillator. They have no heartbeat. It's not how it works. It was more of a it was more of a fable than it was a story. Does that make sense? I guess. And this was a different tech. Uh, they decided to focus on certain things where they felt the original film were lacking. And I think some of those were successful and other of those were really not. Like they wanted to ramp up the horror and give you that, oh, you won't see this coming, killing off Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they started doing that late in the second act, the movie just completely fell apart for me. Well, because the movie went from being a introspection on what happens on regret and sin and what happens after you die to I I know what you did last summer. Yeah, yes. and, and everything <laughs> everything has to have revenge. Right. It was a little bit I know what you did last summer, a little bit Final Destination. Mm-hmm. That's exactly that is exactly the two two movies I have written down on my notes. And if and, and if that and if that woman is you know, mad at him for abandoning her and her son, you know, or whatever. Why is she appearing to him like a drowned woman? Well, because he doesn't know it because none of what's happening to them are really the people that they think they are coming back to haunt them. It's their, themselves. Yeah, it's this is a little bit manifestation of what he thinks she's you know. correct. Yeah, well, he expects that she probably committed suicide after he left. And this is all like where the original place kind of fast and loose leaves it all fuzzy. This is saying, no, this is their straight guilt. Up yeah. yeah. Their ideations yeah. of what happened. All right. this, this is, yeah, this is exactly it. It's in their mind. They have, they have the sin that they have committed. And just like everybody else in the world, you have this thing and you think about things that you have done in your life. And little by little, it gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I was just, I, when I, I don't know the first hour and a almost hour and a half of the movie, I was so in. Fuck, lost you. Actors, I like the actors. Wait, 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 stop. We were at uh shit, fifteen fifty eight, where you said in the first half of the movie I was all in. Then I lost you. Yeah, I, I, I heard, I heard, I was all in, and that was the last thing I heard. Oh, weird. Am I still? Is there still weird sound stuff going on? No, no, no. You're fine now. I mean, everything went completely blank for me. I didn't hear. Oh, good. Anything. It's not just me anymore. I okay. guess. Well, we appear okay. to be back. All right. So all right, you got it marked. I uh, was all in. Was your last comment? Okay. Seventeen minutes restart. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. There were some things about this that I valued even more than the original. Like, I didn't think it was nearly as bad as everyone uh, said it was. Uh, I liked the characters. I liked the actors playing the characters. And I understood all of the changes they were making, even if I didn't agree with them. And then all of a sudden, they push Ellen Page off the fire escape, and the movie fell off the fire escape with her. Yeah. And... (laughs) I, I agree I with you on that. The, I didn't hate the killing of Courtney as much as you guys did. I kind of thought it was, I kind of thought it was the interesting twist that that I wasn't expecting. It kind of worked on me a little bit. I was like, "Holy shit!" They just killed her. when when they showed her laying on the ground. I was like, "Ah, oh, there's no way she's dead. She's going to be in a coma or whatever." And then they're talking about the, the autopsy in the next scene. I'm like, "Oh shit! They did kill her." Nope, she was dead. Did but I will agree with you that the movie it, it never really did much after that. It just kind of was, you know. Yeah, it showed us it a bunch of, kind of recycled, and then that was it, you know. Yeah. Did anybody else? And 
I watched this one first and then watched the original because I've seen the original so many times that I'm like, if I don't get to it, it's okay. But after I saw this, I'm like, I got to watch the original to compare. Um, they they both run. This one was 10 minutes shorter than the other. Yet, for some reason, this one feels like it was an hour. Like it just like sped through everything and just kind of brushed over the important stuff and dug into the stuff that didn't need to be dug into. Whereas the other one was even as far as hitting all the, the, the right beats at the right time. This one just felt like, I don't know, it just did not feel like it was two hours or it felt like it was all of two hours. And it, and it, it felt it was a very formulaic remake. It just felt like they, they were like, OK, we got to hit this point, this point, this point, this point. And they didn't do really much of their own. And I don't know if you're telling the same story with five new people, four of which have own new tragedies and have own new hallucinations post flatline. I'm actually pretty okay with that. You update it considering it's no longer 1990. Yeah. And I'm not even necessarily saying that that's a, a, a fault. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's just what it was. I mean, it was, it was a remake of a movie that they didn't change too much of other than, you know, character backgrounds. Yeah, deciding to remake Final Destination in the last half hour mm-hmm. instead. And it, there was also the switch of protagonists from Courtney to Marlowe fucked with the pacing. And I think that's maybe what Joel's talking about, the way it affected the perception of the runtime. Well, and what's funny is, is that I actually, I enjoyed this. And I'm not going to say I need to watch it again or I want to own it. But by the end of the movie, I was like, that was better than I was expecting for something that had such a little press. And didn't do much. But when you compare it with the other one, it's like the nineteen ninety one is like eating a nice steak dinner at a at a, a steak house. Made properly, well done, everything was good. Maybe the veggies were a little cold, but overall it was a good dinner versus going to Golden Corral and getting, you know, a piece of sirloin steak that's not cooked properly and that probably was sneezed on. Thou shall not speak poorly of Golden Corral. Well, and I don't know. I, I, I love the original, but I kind of think the original is Golden Corral. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I love it, but it is not a great movie. Like It does it, have a chocolate fountain. Yeah. I, and this, I don't know. This one looked like it was going to be a nice sirloin and turned out to be Salisbury steak. And I appreciated the fact that they they delved into the science a lot more and they actually had something that was interesting that they were saying was happening in death to kind of back up what they were theorizing on. But, I was kind of annoyed that you know that, that they the first thing they did when Marlo went under when they tried to bring her back was uh, pull the thing off the top of her head. I'm like, well, now this is scientifically useless. What are we doing? <laughs> but at the same time, they were going back to that whole thing of we're using all this medical equipment and you're using what an MRI, MRI machine, was it? Or yeah. some sort of imaging? Because they're like, oh, MRI. no magnets in the room. I mean, no metal in <laughs> the room. Nobody's going to notice them using something like that, even if it's in the quote-unquote unused hospital. Sub-basement three. Well, by the time Marlo goes in, it's almost not about documentation anymore. Now it's about let's fuck with our brains because it makes us better at school, which I'm actually okay with that twist. And that's explicitly why Sophia wants it done that night. And the fact that they agreed to it was stupid. Yeah. Two in one one night is a lot for, you know, walking over the line between death and life. 
Yeah, but I mean, there's some guilt going on because they all know Sophia's poor. They all know she's under more stress than the rest of them. And Marlo is the deciding vote. And Marlo post-flatlining is not a great decision maker. No. And I also have to say thank you very much, Google uh, Google Movies, because you managed to lock up the fast-forward scene every single time there's boobies. So when uh, <laughs> Sophia's riding Jamie... Thank you very much for me to try and give a little 10-second fast-forward to that. No, we're going to lock up and have Sophia in all her glory on my TV in my living room. Thank you very much. I think the takeaway... Yeah, the takeaway here is just let it play. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I I think you're making a bigger deal out of it than it needs to be. No, I I know. I probably am, but it's a dad... If you don't even fast-forward, you don't even acknowledge it or whatever, don't make a big deal out of it. It's a dad dad reflex. Oh, we got to fast-forward. Shut up. Hey, when you finally find out which kids are yours, you know, you can talk. (laughs) The thing is, is there's no actual... Never mind, I'm not going to say that. There's no toplessness in this remake. No, I know. I know. But... No actual nudity, yeah. No, there isn't. No areolas and shit. Well, (laughs) did anybody else find that the characterizations of each of the characters in the film was... It, to me, felt a lot less... They felt underdeveloped. Pat, that was strangely specific. No areolas. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joel, say that again. No, I was just saying that I think that the characters in this were really underdeveloped. Like, there was no... In the other one, you get a lot... Even if they didn't get into their you know, their family history, there was a lot of backstory. Like, Julia Roberts' whole thing with the woman that she's, you know, talking to on a daily basis, who's near death. We didn't get that kind of... Well, you, you could sum these characters up in two sentences each. You know, I think I disagree with both of you. I think that with the exception of Ellen Page's character, most of these characters were better developed than the original. Really? How so? Yeah, because... You, I, don't well, think either, I don't think either movie had well-developed characters. Yeah, and certainly you're not talking like Academy Award winning here, but you get into uh, the conversation between Sophia and Jamie at the... Uh, club at the beginning the country club at the beginning talking about their different backgrounds and then you see her home situation then you see her bring him home and her break from her mom like i think that's more character development for her than any one of the five got in the first film i don't know kevin bacon rappelled down a building ah see Uh, you cannot argue with that (laughs) and he had a cool jeep and you get into an atheist in case you didn't catch that the 18 times they mentioned it. <laughs> right. You get into, with Diego Luna's character, how uh, he thinks he's hot shit, and everybody's like, you know, you're just uh, a medical student like the rest of us. And he was a first responder before and has kind of got some trauma from that and has decided, I can't be a firefighter anymore. Like, this isn't, like, incredible deep Daniel Day-Lewis shit, but... It's more than what we got out of anybody in the first one. And uh, that's one of the reasons why Ellen Page's character getting killed off bugged me so much is because she didn't get that. She didn't even have her moment uh, with the cancer patient that Marlo had. Marlo was barely a character. No, I, I do agree. Okay. In you stating it that way, I agree with you. Courtney... Ellen Page should have had more. I, I could have accepted if Marlo had gotten killed by uh, uh, um, 
Jellyfish Robo-Cop. Man. Yeah, Jellyfish Man. Oh, that was wrong. Did you say Robocop? I did. You did say Robocop. I'm so confused right now. <laughs> if Ellen had lived, the thing is, Courtney was living with the guilt of the fact that she was texting on her phone and killed her sister. Nina, I'm sorry, not Nina, Marlo was dealing with the fact that she straight up lied about her examination of a patient and killed him by her own. Uh, she, she, she changed the medical report. By her own malice. Yeah. Well, she didn't kill him through malice. She covered no. it up. She right. killed him because she was on a 48-hour stretch, was tired and fucked up, and then protected her own career by lying about it afterwards. Well, I could have I could have been more in on this movie if Marlo was the one who was killed by uh, Jellyfish Man instead of Courtney getting killed by her sister. Agreed. Well, all right, then. I, I, yeah, I actually, I, I agree with that. Because both of them were the least developed characters, and you don't have the 11th hour protagonist shift if you uh, write the movie that way. Uh, You could, instead of having two characters that have one dimension, you could have given one of the two of them two and brought them up to the level of the other three. I wonder if there was some kind of scheduling conflict with Ellen Page, and she had to leave for like the last half of shooting or something, and they had to like change the script up. You'd think that would have appeared in the trivia. They True. ran out of money for it to pay her. Yeah, there was only like five things of trivia, and I chose the most interesting of those. <laughs> this movie is tied to the 1990 film. <laughs> this movie was filmed on film. <laughs> this movie is long. <laughs> this movie was filmed in color. This movie had sound? I mean, I don't I don't hate this movie by any stretch. Um, I would Spoiler alert, I would definitely give it a thumbs up, but I'm. this is another one of those, like many movies we've watched, I'm never going to see it again. Yeah, I, I'm in the same It was mind. nothing special. I, I don't feel like, yeah, I don't hate it, uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm never going to watch it again. Well, and my thumbs down is just barely, because I liked the majority of this movie, but I was so disappointed by the parts that I didn't like that it ruined the whole experience for me. So, like, it's a thumbs down, but it's not, like, an enthusiastic one. All right, so let's do thumbs up, thumbs down real quick before we do the final question. Have you guys been thinking about it? Nope. Oh, shit, the final... Oh, goddamn, the final question. So, first off, think about that while we're doing the thumbs up. I would say for (laughs) myself, uh, I give a thumbs up to both of them. More of a thumbs up to the first than the second, but I didn't hate either one of them. So, <sighs> I give a thumbs up to the first one because it is immediately after uh, Lost Boys, Kiefer Sutherland, and he was still in that super cool mood, and I dig that. For the second one, while I can't give it a 100% thumbs down because we have watched some amazingly shitty movies for the show. I'm not going to be watching this again. So a, ha- a thumb and a half. <laughs> yeah, for for me, the original is a thumbs up based on style alone. And like I said, this second one is just barely a thumbs down just because it completely fell apart in the third act. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a thumbs up for the original for style, the actors being at the, you know, the peak of their their performances in a lot of ways. And just for nostalgia purposes, something that I I've seen many many times, and I I love it just because of what it is. Um, the new one I still would give a thumbs up. Again, it's not something I ever need to see again, but I didn't hate it. 
and I actually found myself involved in the entire process. And uh, I really love Diego Luna and Alan Page, so that's bonus points. You've got like the Kurt Russell effect with me. I can forgive mm-hmm. a lot of I can forgive a lot of crap in a movie as long as Kurt Russell's in it. There you go. All right, Patrick. Let's yes. start at the bottom and work our way up. <laughs> Jesus. What what sin comes back to get you? It would definitely be all the people that I bullied and beat up when I was younger. For sure, I would I would have the uh, the Billy McManus thing. Uh, they would all be chasing me down and beating the crap out of me. I'm sure. That's pretty simple for me. Wow, I was hoping for something funny. Nope. Uh, How can you get something funny out of this? That's a pretty <laughs> dark question. I don't know, man. I was hoping. I was hoping that he would have some sort of funny. Nope. I I let off with potato salad. I think that's as good as it gets. <laughs> Michael uh, would come for you. For me? Uh, Fuck. Uh, life. Life, yeah. <laughs> Everybody I've ever known. You ever been at the... Ever Every dr- boss that's ever fired you. Yeah. Everybody, uh, God, what would it be? Uh, come around to me. Joel, what's yours? Um. Well, uh, my first instinct is to say my brother. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just from everything. Oh God, in, yeah. He would he would show up and just bully you like mercilessly. <laughs> from the first 30 years of my life, uh, that would probably be the number one thing without getting too dark. Because I could probably go a little darker, but we'll leave it at that. That's simple. I'll go darker. <laughs> oh, shit. <clears throat> uh, people would come back for me or anybody and everybody I've let down by not putting in the effort or not living up to my potential. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm totally going to have to put a pre, uh, <laughs> a warning on this show. All, all the people whose money I lost in my in my food truck, that's who would come after me. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the? <laughs> all right. Fuck you all. Um, you know who's coming back to me? 13 midgets with fly swatters and a jar of grape jelly. <laughs> what did ha- you do? <laughs> you have no idea. I think the Hambler, Hamburglar is coming back for me. Rubble, 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 rubble. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> after that expose, Joel, what are we doing next week? Uh, Every bottle of wine you've ever drank, Mike, is coming back for you. Oh, shit. That's a lot of bottles of wine, man. <laughs> next week, it is the uh, it is that time again. It's been a year, and it is time to do our Billboard Top Ten show. Woo! Yay, these are always fun shows. So look forward to that. That's going to be a much different atmosphere. Than We're this comparing uh, February 1st of 2018 to February 1st of 1988. Yeah, yeah. I always love those. So if uh, you have a comment on the uh, people who are coming from you for your past when you flatline, or uh, I think maybe this show got a little too real, let us know about it. It's 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yeah, bring man. it on, all you fucking twelve-year-olds! I used to beat up. I'll beat you up again. Oh shit! So yeah, if you're looking for more of this shit, um, <laughs> iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com. Uh, yeah. This is so our fear episode. Exactly. So if you want to, what I would suggest is go to Billboard.com and put in February first, nineteen eighty-eight, in there. Uh, flashback machine or whatever the hell it's called that will give you the top 10 for 1988 february 1st so you can catch up to us and see what music was on that list and listen to it beforehand cool cool 
topic for next week? Oh, fuck. Want to uh, stick with carnies and cabbage? Oh, I love that RPG. Is um, that a real RPG? No. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, that would be fucking amazing. <laughs> it it is now. Carnies <laughs> and cabbages. Hey, like, I, just, I just threw that down as a joke. And I was like, is that a real thing? That'd be amazing. But Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.